TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. What are we gonna do with our children? What are we gonna do to show we care? How are we gonna be there for our children when they feel that life has just not been that fair? Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask Mothers and Fathers. Aligned Saving Kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles. If you know somebody that wants a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, whether they want a parent support group, which is still by Zoom, please call us, 718 758 All calls are strictly confidential. Again, I'll give you our number. Maybe it's for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, someone you usually would sit next to in shul. Our number again, 718-758-0400. Tonight, I'm really, really happy to have on with us somebody that I've been uh, working with over the last 20 years who's um, a therapist. She's a child and a family specialist in Muncie. Her name is Gelly Asafsky, and I'd like to welcome you on tonight, Gelly. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love the work that Mass does for the cloud, for everybody, and um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here with you today. Thank you. Kelly, you're a registered play therapist, supervisor, and an EMDR consultant that you provide consultations both to therapists, families on a regular basis. Um, I'd like you to First, explain to my listeners, what is EMDR? Sure. So EMDR is a brain-based therapy, and it is something that originally was created to help soldiers returning from war. Uh, Soldiers have a lot of trauma, so there was a lot of testing done on that. Nowadays, we use EMDR to help Uh, developmental trauma. We use EMDR to help children recover from sexual abuse, from uh, anything that's going on that's impacted their lives. And EMDR is based on sleep science. So um, REM sleep, uh, that's the the fourth period of sleep. It's our deepest sleep where our brain processes everything that happened during the day. And when trauma hits us, the brain stores these traumatic memories in a maladaptive way so it doesn't get stored in the right way. And that's where EMDR comes in 
and helps us process what happened in a different way than just talk therapy, just play therapy. And I've seen, uh, it's just made such a difference in my ability to help both kids, teenagers, families, systems, um, since I learned EMDR 10 years ago and implemented in my practice. Well, Kelly, you're also the coordinator of the local chapter of the EMDR Humanitarian Assistance Program Trauma Recovery Network, which supports the community with pro bono services in cases of natural disasters, hate crimes, and terrorism. Do you want to share with my listeners a little bit about that to ask us? Sure. Uh, before COVID hit, there was, there was a spate of three hate crimes, terrorism crimes in the tri-state area, and it really shook people up. And as a therapist, I felt, especially as someone who speaks Yiddish fluently, I felt really helpless when it came to the Jersey City um, a story. And I didn't have the resources. I didn't have the manpower. I didn't even know who to reach out to to see how I can be of help. And then a hate crime hit a mile away from my house at Rabbi Rottenberg Shul uh, Hanukkah of uh, 2019. And I spent, I was like a one-man band for uh, a month or two afterwards, just going from family to family to volunteer to see how I can help these people because everyone was struggling from acute PTSD. Um, they were just all in trauma and um, got some therapists involved and lots of us donated pro bono time to help the community. As a result of that, I linked into the EMDR HOP, uh, Probes for the Humanitarian Assistance Program. Uh, we go into disaster areas, school shootings, earthquakes, to provide pro bono services. And now we're a team that's standing here and ready to help in case of a hate crime, any terrorism, or um, a natural disaster. And uh, we, we try to train to have that training. And sometimes we're first responder, sometimes we're second responder. You know, sometimes high lifeline comes in first and then and then we're called in because we have a connection. So I I have been on both both sides. Well and, um, our goal is just you. to help. Yep. Thank you to you and the task force for all that you guys do services. Um so let's talk about since COVID began. I know you've been offering so many parenting programs on playful parenting to both, you know, mothers online and um, offline. Um, let's talk about parenting with Gelly. Um, what kind of issues do you usually or struggles do you usually work with, please? Sure. So I think mothers will call uh, that their child has gone through a trauma, there's a divorce, a child's acting out, angry, doesn't listen at home, a child's really anxious, there's been bullying in school, a child's not wanting to go to school. Those kind of issues, um, sometimes they escalate really fast and a parent will be in a crisis. Other times it's been something that's going on for a while, and my focus is to try to help the family, right? It's the child needs help, 
but the mother and father also need help, right? Because everybody's being affected. Sometimes one child's struggling, and then all of a sudden the whole family system is struggling because it, it just things go off kilter. And I that that's really what I work with in my practice. And then on uh, the playful parenting courses are designed to help parents have the skills. So attachment-based parenting, mindset work, practical game ideas that you can use on a day-to-day basis with your children to build resilience, to build happiness, because so many times parents feel hopeless and um, not empowered. They don't know what to do. And my, my goal after 20 years of working with one family at a time is really to make sure that mothers mothers know there's so much you can do at home. There's so much you can do if you have two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, you're waking up your kid, you're sitting at the supper table, you're tucking them into bed to give you the tools so that you're not alone. So you don't just feel like I, I, I'm, I'm without options. That's really, and since COVID, that's, that's just become such a big deal because more than ever, because our systems all went down, right? Absolutely. And the good part is, is that because of the availability of telecourse and telehealth and Zooming abilities, um, so it's so much easier for those families that are struggling with mental health struggles have that availability to get online, go on Zooms, get on the phone, speak with therapists. They're available by Zoom and telehealth. And there's really no reason that somebody should be suffering alone. So feel free to call the Mask Helpline so we can connect you to a therapist wherever you're located, whether it's Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, wherever you are, Long Island, doesn't matter where you are, we will connect you with professionals that are licensed therapists and many are taking your insurance. So just give us a call, 718-758-0400. Kelly, you know, when I started MASK, it's going to be 25 years starting in February, God willing. Um, we started it for teenagers, and it was at-risk youth. But, of course, we have done prevention for the last 12 years. We've been just doing a lot of prevention, elementary-age children, young yeah. children. So, you know, there are different ideas, different therapists have different ideas of when a child should be ready to start therapy. What is your feeling at what age should a child be ready to go to therapy? Um, yeah, that's a great question, actually, because my belief and my training is that a child who's six years and younger, really the primary person in their life that spends most of the time with them is their mother and father, and the, the parents can be given the tools to implement strategies on a day-to-day -day basis, multiple times a day, that can really make a difference, and the child may not actually need therapy. However, there are traumas children have gone through, such as divorce, unfortunately, sexual abuse. It's just 
you know, it's so many phone calls and I, I just feel the need to really say, if you have a suspicion, reach out and get help. The worst thing you can do is we can rule it out and you'll feel calm at the end of the day. Don't wait until a child starts acting out to, to get help. Uh, you know, when it comes to concern about sexual abuse. Um, I think so. I have worked with children as young as two that were, uh, you know, in a car accident, um, especially with the, the hate crimes. We worked with very young children. Uh, these children can get help with play therapy and EMDR. Um, and, and six and older, I would say, is just like a perfect time to take a kid to therapy. My bias is family systems work. After many, many years of doing non-directive play therapy, I just so believe, like you said, with masks, prevention is key. So when a mother is in the therapy room, she learns the skills and she also gets support. And that's the biggest prevention. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought up about molestation because over and over and over again, we get calls from families, parents, whose child were touched inappropriately or molested. And uh, they could be as young as six years old, four years old. And they say, oh, but it only happened one time. Uh, yeah. I'd like you to please tell my listeners how even one time can be damaging. Sure. I think it's an uncomfortable topic for many people to think about, but so many times when a parent comes in, they'll say, well, I was molested, and now my kid was molested. No one did anything for me, and it impacted my life as an adult, as a teenager. When I was getting married, the concept of getting married the, the basically when someone is touched inappropriately, whether a little child, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, something happens in the brain, something happens deep in our emotional realm where physical touch gets messed up. And it's something that also leads to people not trusting people. Children learn that they can't trust the adults around them because most abuse happens with somebody your child knows. And that's something people don't realize. We always think it's that random stranger, but it's more likely than not someone your child knows, someone who's in your system, your family system, your neighborhood. And it really leads children to just how, let a part of them die because they have to survive. So that's why it's so, so important to seek help and get help and learn how to talk to your kid about prevention for sexual abuse and also to talk to them and get comfortable talking to your kid if something bad has happened, even one time. Right. So do you want to share with my listeners how one should speak to the kids about the topics of sexual abuse, please. Yes. So I find that um, parents need, like, real guidelines. There is a book after I found this book about five years ago, and it really changed the way I was able to get parents to actually talk to their 
kids. It's called I Said No, a kid to kid guide to keeping private parts private by Zach and Kimberly King. If you read this book, whether you read it yourself and then you get ideas how to talk to your children uh, or you read it with your child, it's an open communication with your child using the concept of red flags and green flags. Red flags is no, no taking bribes, no accepting threats, no allowing uh, people to touch you in a way that feels uncomfortable for you. Green light means that's good. A hug is a good thing. A kiss from a mommy is a good thing. A tap on the shoulder from a Rebbe is a good thing. But kids learn to understand in a conversation with their parents, facilitated by this book, about what should be a red flag and what's okay. And that, to me, is a game changer. Absolutely. I'm glad that you gave the name of the book. Um, you want to say it one more time for those that maybe want to jot it down, please? Sure. I said no. A Kid-to-Kid Guide to Keeping Private Parts Private by Zach and Kimberly King. Thank um, you. Available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, anywhere where books are sold. Thank you. So what can a mother do at home or a father sometime uh, to prevent problems uh, from developing? I think the one biggest key factor that we can do is create a home that's a happy place for kids to live in. So if you have two minutes, instead of telling your kid, let's go, the bus is waiting, eat your dinner, do your homework, to take a moment and instead of being a chaverim dispatcher, to dispatching your children to do things, focus on being playful. Smile, Good advice. sing a little tune, play a game, just be silly, race, race into bed, race to the corner, just, um, just create an environment that supports healthy, happy development. And what would you suggest? There are so many divorced families, unfortunately, today, um, what would you say to those parents? You know, they're sometimes half a week by one parent, other half a week by another parent, different parenting styles. What would you want to say to those parents? Sure. One sentence. Focus on connection, not disconnection. So if you're not on the same page with your ex, and if your kids are coming home and they're saying, well... My father gives us as much soda as we want, or we don't have to do bedtime when we're with daddy. I try not to get into the conflict with the kids. It's, you know, easy to say and hard to do. But if your one goal is connection, looking down the road, kids know the truth. So if you focus on connection, your blood pressure will go down. You can deal with the stuff with the ex out of the environment with the kids and just love your children. 
That's the one thing you can do. Don't make them pawns in the marriage that went wrong. And what about busy moms, busy parents? You know, they go to work full time. They're running home. They're making dinner. Homework is, you know, could be for hours, unfortunately, and all other, you know, home responsibilities. So what do you want to say to those busy working moms? Large families, they may not be working, but they have large families. How would you want them to think about connecting with their children? Sure. In addition to taking the time you spend with your kids anyway, right? The waking them up with a smile on your face. The uh, serving a meal that they may appreciate and telling them that you made it for them. A child in a big family can feel very important when mommy said she did something especially because she knew that child liked it. Uh, that can be done in many increments, two minutes throughout the day, so each child feels your nurturance. And I always like to say Shabbos is a time where you don't have to run around, you don't have to do the laundry, you don't have to work, everything is done and find a little time, if you can, to stretch yourself, to play a little game with your child, a board game, if you're not the creative type, connect for, right? Or um, play a rhyming activity. You know, you say, I went to the zoo. Your kid says something, I and I did peekaboo. And then the next child follows. So you can, you can just be playful while sitting on the couch and creating an atmosphere that your kids say, wow, I like my mommy, she's fun. Not just busy, 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 overwhelmed mommy. And it doesn't have to be the whole Shabbos. Like I said, mini increments add up. One plus one equals two, but then if you do it every day, by the end of the month, one plus one will equal 30. And it's, you know, and that's, that's what the kids take with them. And then you as a mother can feel good about yourself because you did something concrete. It wasn't all or nothing. A little goes a long way. Thank you. We have Gelly Asavsky, child and family therapist, uh, EMDR specialist with us. If anybody wants to reach Gelly Asavsky, feel free to call the mask helpline and we will make sure that you will get that phone call back 718-758-0400. So Gelly, let's talk about EMDR and how you incorporate that in play therapy, please. Sure. So play therapy is a child, you know, just playing, right? And with EMDR, we can do things playfully, like a child can act out in a sand tray, or they can act something out in the dollhouse or in the kitchen center. And I will be a little more directive, or when they're talking about a trauma, I can say, let's take a moment with that, and let's do some lateral movement, which is right-left movement, or track your eyes, and let's think about this. So I help them be able to process that. Now, EMDR is an eight-phase model, so I'm really oversimplifying here, 
But what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be someone sitting in a chair and looking at me and being bored out of their mind. I can incorporate EMDR into art, into sanctuary work, and actually literally just play. So play therapy alone is very, very helpful. But again, yes. when, when children have trauma, the EMDR, in addition to the play, uh, can be so helpful for the child. But mom and dad are involved in the therapy process. Can you just share how they would be involved? Sure. Um, I'll give you an example. I, mean, I don't like to share client stories, but mother and child were here, a 10-year-old and a parent. Uh, I had two sanctuaries. Both of them created the sanctuary. And in the sanctuary, we created figures to represent what made them feel happy and safe. We created um, figures that helped, um, helped them feel resourced, like they have something to feel strong about and then we created the story and then i had mother child their versions of the trauma do the emdr while sitting and looking at the sand tray and then i said so how how much does it bother you if they said it bothered them a little or a lot we continued doing the emdr while incorporating mother's angle child's angel angle because it was something that affected the family or the relationship between the mother and the child. And then when the trauma didn't bother the child uh, so much anymore, we shifted the story with the toys and then we worked on that part of the story. So I did it with both the mother and the child. I have to say though, that that's something I'm, I'm experimenting with. I'm actually, um, working on on taking emdr group protocols and making that adapting them to family systems so this is something that many therapists are not trained to do this is something i do but wow. EMDR can Thank be you. incorporated yeah i don't right. want people to think you can just call someone and say well can you do family emdr i i'm actually uh working on on uh starting a research project but that's that takes time, as you know, but we're really right. looking into how does this work and how can we use EMDR to help families heal, not just a child or a adult, an adult. Right. Thank you. Well, we're running out of time. I want to thank you again for coming on and always uh, connecting with you and you helping the cloud with your EMDR uh, Trauma Recovery Network Task Force. So thank you for that as well. You're welcome. My pleasure to be here and to be of service. And I would like to wish everybody a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and now virtually hug tight. Tonight's show is for Fush Lema, for Miriam Bas, Ana Pesya, Yoch Eved, Aliza Bat Miriam, Esther Bas Tamar, Chan Eliana Bas Naomi, and Lezech Nishmas Liel Dina Bas Ephraim. Thank you. Have a good night. Please consider donating to maskparents.org.
org so we could continue with all the mass programs and these wonderful shows. Thank you and have a good night. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Shabbos Vayachi, joining to protect life, here and hereafter for ourselves, for our families, and for all of the Jewish people. Halachic living wills, life insurance, caring for aging parents, wills in accordance with halacha, responding to the skyrocketing rates of cremation amongst so many Jews. We all know these matters are important, but they are so often neglected because urgent matters tend to get in the way of taking action on important matters. Be inspired to action this Saturday night, December 18th, starting at 8 p.m., and streaming throughout the night by joining NASC, the National Association of Hever Kadisha Zebu of Vayechi. It's all about life. Fascinating speakers, important information and inspiration to move us all to action. Join us and learn more at ShabbosVayechi.org. That's ShabbosVayechi.org. That's ShabbosVayechi.org. Are you interested in hosting your own radio show and podcast, or perhaps a TV program? TalkLine Network can help you get on the air from one hour weekly to 24 hours a day. Ideal for ethnic, foreign language, medical, business, and religious broadcasting. We also have full-time radio stations for lease, as well as FMHD channels. For more information, please call 212-769-1925. That's 212-769-1925. Or email zevrenner at gmail.com. And you're listening to the Talkline Network over WVIP 93.5 FM HD2, New Rochelle, New York. We are America's only Jewish radio program on regular broadcast radio on the Internet and digital platforms. Enjoy. Enjoy.